Why don't you start us off this time? Because it's always me. I don't know. How do you start it off? I mean, you could just announce the show and who you are. This is 20 Year Reunion. I'm Paul C. Puentes. And I'm David Rausch. Great. That was good. We're getting within a month here of the reunion, yeah? Almost. October 16th. So yeah, I can never remember when it is. So, <laughs> so this is just confirming, Paul, you will be there. You're going to travel in from Indianapolis. Yeah, un- un- unless okay. something stops me. The, the okay. plan is to be there. Yep, I will cool. be there. I wonder if there's anyone else, like how far someone will travel for this. Curious. Oh. The, the greatest distance. Yeah. I mean, you're what, like three and a half hours driving somewhere yep. there? Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder, will anyone fly back for it, do you think? This sounds really press. I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to, I'll say yes. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Okay, I should say maybe. But I, I'm thinking no, but maybe. I mean, it's a 20-year reunion. I mean, I think 25. 25? Is that even a thing? 25 I mean, it's, years. It's, it's technically it's a, quarter a thing. quarter century. I think, it's, I think it's a bigger deal than 20. So is 21 a bigger deal than 20? Oh, come on, Dave. I think culturally, 25 years is celebrated more frequently and with higher regard than a 20-year reunion. For high school? Really? For high school? Oh, yeah. I mean, 20, 25 and 50, I think it's a big, those are like the big ones. Oh, right? well, if I knew that, I would have held off another five years of doing this podcast. I thought 20 was the big one. I'm pretty sure 25 is. Maybe it's 20. I could be okay. wrong. This is my first time doing that. that that's true. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done a 20 year reunion before. So this week we're talking to Andy, Andy Trippy. Yes. And this is the part where we say it's a good one and, <laughs> and they're all good ones. This is, I mean, this is a good one. It is. Hearing Andy's story is great. Yeah. I knew Andy in middle school, but his story after high school and where his life kind of has taken him, I, I think is a powerful sometimes difficult but beautiful story Hmm. glad that he was open to having a conversation with us yeah definitely i feel like we should go ahead and run it let's get to that episode so andy how are you you know what i i'm doing well can't complain it's been 20 years of some crazy events that have happened in my life but pretty happy where I'm at right now. Well, it's good to have you with us today. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't veered far away, so I'm still still in Villa Park. Oh, nice. Okay. Before we get to the 20 years, let's go back to high school. Describe yourself in high school. What was kind of your personality? What were you into? Yeah. So I think the best thing to describe me in high school is my 16-year-old driver's license. It was this hideous headshot of me, and I was 88 pounds and I think 5'4 at the time. Pretty skinny kid in high school. <laughs> this is just audio. No, no one can see you, but for <laughs> but for anyone listening, he weighs more than eighty eight pounds now. I can tell yeah. just by looking at I, the camera. Yeah, so I can. I I would guess so. <laughs> yeah, now I'm about one eighty five, one ninety. I there cover between there, <laughs> and I'm five ten. So <laughs> I'm very goal orientated, and I looked at high school at the time as you know, get my degree and move on to the next goal. But if I were to take a step back, I wish I was a little bit more involved on the social side of the school, you know, getting into more clubs, sports. I did stuff outside of school. I was in dance. My sister was a huge professional dancer at the point. So I kind of got involved with that at, at a very young age, at like six years old. 
Six. Wow. Yeah, six I started. Yeah. I couldn't do a move to save my life now. But <laughs> I was also in karate starting at age eight. Two styles, Tungsudo and Hapkido. When I graduated, I quit. I told my parents, like, I'm not going to karate again, you know? And then it's funny, same te- when I was became 33, same teacher, same start of where like I left off in rank, and I finished it. I got my damn black belt. <laughs> oh, <wow>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, and you know, they don't just give it to you. You have to like take a test in Korean. You have to go to this like three day outdoor camp. I mean, it's the the exam itself was six hours of physical, just torture. Really? Yeah. So. Going back to the high school stuff, I wasn't involved in the normal type of stuff that most kids were involved in, but that was me. Pretty myself, quiet, studied, walked home from school every day and did my homework and then played Nintendo. I mean, <laughs> pretty simple kid, but you know, definitely the, not the popular one. <laughs> I think as we look back and, and I think we all have kids, like you see, the idea of normal is so different than it was 20 years ago yeah yeah i mean one it's it's different but then two just every person is is their own and so like sure might might be quote unquote normal in one area but then have their own needs or talents or whatever and that's something that you know i would say if i were to like going through growing up and going through life i think confidence came later in my life like i'm very confident who i am but at the time and if i were to tell myself then like hey be confident, like you're cool, like, you know, you're cool in your own way, like, don't worry about it. I would have. But, you know, I think all of us going through life, and I see that with I have a stepson who's, you know, a teenager and stuff. And, you know, confidence comes with experience and time for many of us. Some have it right away. I mean, that's the conversation him and I always have. Do you think it was the the lack of confidence that caused you not to be more involved in, in school stuff? I don't know about that. I think... You know, I, I don't know. That's a, actually a good question. Maybe I would have gotten involved more socially if if I had that confidence of myself in, at a young age. I definitely regret, you know, whether it was... I remember Mr. Murphy trying to recruit me for wrestling. and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, <laughs> so, something socially where, you know, I was interacting with my classmates or on a direct level. I think that's why I really don't have a lot of friends that I talk to today that were from high school, you know, because I kind of, I'm a networking and relationships guy. Like I am all about networking, having good friendships, good relationships, and I'm good at it. And my job, you know, I'm a financial advisor, building relationships with people is all we do. Yeah. 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 Prior to that, for the last 18 years of my career, I was in management, managing people. You got to connect with people. I wish I did that though in high school. I mean, your fa- you had a pretty tight family, though, didn't you? I did. So I, yeah. I was just going to say, like, it wasn't though you were like a recluse, like not talking to anybody. I mean, oh, no, if no. I, if I remember correctly, like, am I, my, I recall, like, you were a, you were a family guy. Like, you, your, your family was pretty, you guys were tight. Yeah, no, definitely. And I have a lot of cousins in town. And here's the thing I had enough confidence to, you know, in sixth and fifth grade, go up on stage and perform at a talent show, right? In front mm-hmm, of people. Absolutely. Yeah. But, in a class, if you were in class with me, I feel like I was not my, I was more reserved self than who my personality really was even at that time. Yeah. And that's hard. I think like looking back to high school, I mean, I think we all have our moments where maybe we were confident. And then sometimes when I think back to high school, my confidence could go away in a blink of an eye. Like a kid could give me the wrong look. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. 
So, yeah. Well, I, thinking back to high school, you know, are there any, you know, are there any big moments that like sticks in your mind about high school? So I don't know. Do you guys remember Mr. Taggio? Mm-hmm. Chuck Taggio? So I was hell bent on getting my license and he was in the athletic area or maybe I forget, but my mom grew up with him. And I remember at that time you had to get some like blue slip from the school to go get your license. And of course, my birthday was October 23rd and I was already pissed that I couldn't get my license on my birthday. So it's winter break. And I don't know how my mom convinced Chuck to open up the school and get my blue slip that was already ready. And I got my license on the December 23rd. So I came back from winter break, like driving. Wow. Do you remember what car that was? (laughs) Yeah, I do. So we had gotten a VW Beetle, like as a family, and I would drive it. And I quickly realized that that was not that was not cool. So I convinced my parents, <laughs> I convinced my mom just to keep her beetle. And then I, I think about eight months later, I got a Grand Prix, which I love. Oh, wow. That was the best. Honestly, it was, it was a perfect car when you're a new driver because it was so small. And at the time, I thought I was like an old school, I don't know, like gangster or something, even though it wasn't that way. <laughs> Wrong car, but now was it a, was it an old Beetle or like no one of the no new- it was like when they they first released them again yeah 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 I remember that so after a couple like trippy slug bug black slug bug black I was like all right we need to move on <laughs> we need to move on <laughs> from that so, <laughs> so then I went to a like I got like a GTP turbocharged car oh, and wow. drove that thing one hundred fifty thousand miles I miss Pontiacs they should make them still any other fond memories. I mean, overall, I mean, I, you know, I was the type to get along with everyone. I think the funniest memories, I forget my social studies teacher in senior year, junior or senior year, I forget his name. He would never count a source if we got it online. And, you know, you had to get it at the library. And it, it's just like, I just look at life now and how different life is today. Just with He's Google. a losing and, battle on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to stop something that just was coming at him full force. And then you had who my favorite teacher is Mr. White, who I still connect with now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he was just, he was ahead of it. He taught us PowerPoint, if you remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, speech tech. Yeah. I mean, before PowerPoint was a thing, I could relate back to his class teaching me how to speak in front of people. I mean, I could. He was definitely a highlight at Willowbrook. And I also remember the late, you know, the late Ron Bermia was in my, I was classmates with him in that class and I distinctively remember him then. So, you know, when he passed that, that's the hard part when you look in 20 years and you see what happens in 20 years and you know, that it's sad. Absolutely. Sometimes. Definitely. What's something from high school that you're proud of? I think I was proud of that. I did well in high school, graduated high honors. I'm diverting, but totally funny moment is my, I remember uh, getting a Letterman jacket and I had no letters to put on it. Like, why, <laughs> why did I walk around with this Letterman's jacket and I couldn't even put a single badge on it? You know, that, that's a, that like describes me in high school. Like, that's another perfect example. With those Letterman jackets, like if you look back, they're so silly. Like they literally, are silly. I mean, you could go out and just buy, you know, numbers and w's and put it on yeah you could yeah but you know like it's such a like status symbol it's so <laughs> yeah it's so weird so weird man look back back on it yeah yeah so i had my i still have it it's funny because i just moved three houses down like in july and 
going through old stuff and I came across my letterman's jacket and I told my wife, I'm like, I told her the story. Nice and clean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was nice and clean, not a patch on it. She, she thought that was pretty funny. You had, did you have the numbers on it? Did you have O one on it though? I think I had, oh, like, yeah, I had the W okay. and O one, but that, right, that yeah, was so it. Here's another example. I mean, and something I guess I'm proud of. I started the work program early. So at 15, well, I worked my whole life. I don't know. You guys probably remember the subway commercials and oh, what? all that stuff. I don't know what you're talking Yeah, of course I remember the subway commercial. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've had a works permit. It's like, I think my first ad, which I can't believe I didn't even hear in the beginning. I completely forgot about that until you yeah. just mentioned it. Refresh me. My first ad was Levi's jeans in kindergarten. Any of this online? Did you ever look for it? No, is it, it uh, it's not. Can't dig it up. You, yeah, you made God. it just before everything. <laughs> thank, thank God. <laughs> just before everything catches up to you. Yeah. So I was in Kmart, Levi's jeans, did a Nintendo commercial. I did a Sega Channel infomercial, which was really bad. Three Subway commercials, three Sears commercials. Do you have any of those? Ta- do you have those tapes? I have like, personally? Them. like I do. I do have like my dad has them on film and I recorded them. You can upload them to YouTube and then we can put a link. Yep. And then I still know my lines. I still could. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Give us one of the lines from, let's say, a Subway commercial. Sure. OK. Subway soccer. My name's Jack and I'm a goalkeeper. When I'm in the game, our team's a world beater. I stop all the shots just like that, and then we celebrate at Subway with a kid's pack. Oh, kid's pack. That is awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even think they have the kid's pack anymore, so it's <laughs> no, true how think well so. they did. <laughs> That's not your fault. But then I started working at Jewel in Villa Park as a bagger. I thought I was so cool. I would push the carts in my leather like bomber jacket. Then I was working at Starbucks and Jewel. So yeah, I, I always did the workers' prayer. I would leave at like one, grab lunch at home, and go to work. I think you're segueing right into the rest of life. But one more question: Sure, what was one or maybe a couple life goals you had when you were in high school? Law school, becoming a lawyer. Wow, interesting. Since first grade. So my grandfather was the Villa Park like town attorney. I'd never met him. He died when my dad was twenty. He was a phenomenal attorney. I mean, he would be the type that if a couple was getting divorced and the wife couldn't afford food, he would like bring them food. I mean, he was just a really good like guy. He had his office right where Ovaltine Factory was. So in first grade, I said I wanted to be a lawyer. L-O-Y-E-R, I spelled it. And it stuck with me. I'm not a lawyer, by the way, as you know, but it stuck with me throughout high school and even college. That was my goal. And I was very goal-driven, as you can tell. Like I just looked at everything as, okay, I'm inched toward that goal. Do you know, if you think about that, where that came, like the goal-driven, where that came from? Is that Mindset or just the lawyer thing? The mindset. Yeah, the mindset. I think from an early age, I was kept busy. Everything had a goal. Like karate had a belt to get to. In dance, you, you know, if I were to compete, which I did. So my forte was like tap dancing. Actually, you know, I wanted to get number one. Like, you know, it's <laughs> just in my mind. Like, I'm a big Peloton guy now, and my cousin and I compete on it, and I'm pissed because he broke my record last <laughs> night, and now I have to beat his. So it's just something that I guess has been with me since I've known who I am. That drive, inner drive. Inner yeah. drive. So you graduate from Willowbrook, and you got 
you got the goal to be a lawyer. Walk us down that that path. So not only a lawyer, a mechanical engineer lawyer. So patent law. Double major. Oh. Yeah. Patent law. Yeah. That sounds easy. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I go to UIC, got into their mechanical engineering program. I was I knew from the beginning something was off because you had to go there for like a few days for orientation and stay there. And I was grouped with only the engineering kids. And I remember the guy saying, you know, you guys are the elite of the elite, you know, to get into school. I'm thinking like, no, no way. Like I'm a hard worker. I'm a good like study habit, but I'm not like a brilliant mind. So anyways, I went, I went in for the plunge. The first semester, I realized that I wasn't cut out for engineering school. So then I, I switched to political science after my first night chemical engineering class. So obviously, the junior, senior year, you start prepping for the LSAT, which was just a disaster. I passed the LSAT enough to get into John Marshall Law School. I toured it. I was dating my first wife at that time now. So I'm 19. I'm dating and or 20 now. You're into a relationship. The tour guide, who, he's like, you know, if you, smoke, if you don't smoke, you're going to smoke. If you have a girlfriend break up with her. (laughs) He's just like all very negative. Selling it big time. (laughs) Not selling it. Then I decide, okay, I'm going to take the LSAT again. And my mom went, we're a strict Catholic family. My mom went with me, but she's praying the rosary as I'm taking it. I got a worse score. Whoa. That's a sign. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I remember I was, I was driving home from school. My actually like my senior year, I remember going under like central Avenue and I called my parents and I, I mean, literally, that's the location I was on the 290. And I said, that's it. I'm not, I'm not going to law school. I'm not going. So in that same trip, I drove to the Oakbrook Terrace Tower where DeVry was. And I signed up for the Keller Graduate MBA program. So that was like... Like you're on the road and you just, you just diverted your destination, went straight there. I'm done and I changed course. Like, so I had to have another goal. Wow. So then my goal was to get my MBA. Now, I was working at Villa Park Bank now. So now in college, I quickly left Starbucks and Jewel and got a teller job. Worked through college, would go home, work on Sundays. I mean, banks were open seven days a week back then. Our president, Terry Nordenstein, amazing man, but he suddenly passed away. And Harris Bank bought us. And they said, hey, one of our benefits is we could pay for your MBA program. We pay 80%. So after class one, I basically paid 20% of cost for my MBA. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. So I got my MBA, worked my way up in the banking system at Harris. Then I joined a bank called Bridgeview Bank. And from 2010 to 2019, I was their head of community banking. So I ran all the, the branches, marketing. It was an awesome job. Learned a lot about leadership from it. Had about I don't know, 120 people reporting through me. It, it was a great, great experience. And then we sold. But I also oversaw some financial advisors as part of my role. And when I knew we were going to be exiting the space, I knew my career was going to change. And I had about nine months to plan. And I, I said, listen, I think this is an opportunity for me to Real, I kind of fell in love with the investment side. I'm like, I want to do this more directly. And if I could do it in my community and do it one-on-one, I could truly make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. I have an office in Villa Park. 
I'm actually going to be opening my own office in Lombard, be celebrating my two-year anniversary this July there. And this job works better for my situation. So I just got remarried in December of last year. Congratulations. Yeah. So my children's mom, my first wife, passed away suddenly in October of 2016. She was in a a very horrific accident with a semi-truck. Oh, wow. You know, killed instantly. Oh. I've been a single dad to two girls. So I have two little Mm. girls. At the time that she passed, my daughters were four and two. And it was this very eye-opening experience. And it really allowed me to, like, at the time I was in that management job, every day I'm being thrown something stressful. And... I was almost a better leader after that experience because I'm like, it can't get any, like, all these problems at work can be solved. Yeah, right. Perspective. Right, right. You know, and, and, but you can't solve what happened. Where prior to that, I would say I had a relatively, you know, non eventful life. And my biggest problem was what was going on at work. You know, I, I was a bit, I'm a big, like, you know, I want to exceed at work and I want to do my best and I want things to work properly. Where after that period of time, my whole mentality shifted about just anything in general. Right. So that, that was a eye-opening experience. And then my wife now, I actually knew them through work for a long time. They left the bank several years prior. You know, she went through her own divorce and things. And we actually just unexpectedly caught up for lunch one day. This is back in I don't know, end of 2018. We realized we wanted to go to lunch again. <laughs> so then we went to lunch again and then it became dinner. And the next thing you know, we're like dating. You just, you covered a lot of territory there. Yeah. First of all, you know, for your wife, that's, I'm sorry, you know, to hear that. That's, yeah, no. You know, as, as a father and husband myself, like I, I can't even imagine going through that. Yeah. I can see your perspective afterwards. Nothing else really matters, right? When it comes down to it, all the things that you think do. So kind of shaping where you are now. Totally. I mean, telling your four-year-old little girl, Lena, who's now oh, eight or mm. she's nine, actually, mm. that your mom's an angel in heaven. Mm. And, and oh, her gosh. reaction, I, I remember the day, like, like enough, you know, like it was just happening. She almost like didn't know what to react. So she kind of put the covers over her face and smiled. Mm. Like she didn't mm. know how to process yeah. it. And then we were driving to her aunt's house because the family was all getting together, you know, that day, same day that this all happened. And, you know, she's looking at the stars and she's like, is mom up there? Is mommy up there? And, you know, that wow. just gets you. I mean, it still gets me now that mm. she had to process that. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. we actually put him, I put him in preventative therapy. My youngest, Francesca, she really doesn't remember much, but Lena has a memory like me, like she could remember before two even. So she she has good memories of her mom, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that they're happy kids. They're when I talk about confidence, they're confident kids. Like they know who they are, and they don't care. I'm blessed that they're they're doing good. But yeah, that that just puts some character on you, and you have to have those sure. type of conversations. And for your own coping, obviously you have to worry about them. Yeah, and you're trying to take mm-hmm. care of everybody else, but then you've got your own. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I was going to ask how how you process through that. Yeah, no, I, I totally had help with that. I, I, I believe in that. It's good to have a third party tell you or, you know, give you advice than your mom, dad, or relative. It's just, you know, you're getting an unbiased right. help. 
I think 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, there's, you know, sometimes people would, why are you doing that? You yeah, know, what's wrong with sort you? Sort of stigmatized yeah. before, but I think yeah. it's totally acceptable. And, and I think if you're going through a challenge in life, like that's what they're there for. So you talked about your corporate rise, right? While all this was going on up to, you know, place of having a lot of people that depended on you and, and business and stuff. When this happened, did you throw yourself more into the work or did you withdraw for a while or how did you... Well, it's interesting. You know, I I was blessed that I work for one of the most amazing families that owned the bank. And they were they were like, take this was in October. They're like, we want you to take the rest of the year off. Just don't worry. We'll pay you. Just don't worry. And I'm like, I can't. I will be starting November 1st. <laughs> so I, I started November 1st because... And which was only you know three weeks after, but I needed to just function. But what they did for me is they allowed me to have flexibility in my schedule. They even got me an office in Lombard for a while so I can be close to the girls. I've been fortunate so far. I, I haven't. My parents are are thankfully both still alive. Like I, I know there's tragedy coming as we get older, right? Or it doesn't compare, you know, with with your wife obviously being unexpected and younger. But as you get older, we're going to start losing people if you haven't already. You mentioned talking to someone professionally as as something that helps. Is there anything else that that you've found that sort of helped cope or get through or health, working out? So I never worked out prior to 2013, and now I work out every day. <laughs> I got into karate. I I got a membership at Lifetime. Got a trainer. Then I did Orange Theory in training. Then I was sick of paying a babysitter every time I wanted to go out and work out. So I got a Peloton treadmill. Then I got the bike. And now I'm fully at home because I got the tonal. So I am just Mr. At-Home Gym. I work out like twice a day. I'll do a, like today. I did a strength program and I ran. But my biggest thing with the health, I don't want to die prematurely for my mm. kid. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to be without. I mean, and they are lucky. My wife, Cynthia, she is amazing toward them. But... I don't want them to have no parents that were their blood. Birth parents, yeah. Yeah, birth parents. That's super important. So it's really important that I stay active, fit, and healthy. You know, Dave, I look at like the what's going to happen in five years or what's going to happen. And unfortunately, I have a little bit of a worry. Like what, you know, what could happen? Or I'm super paranoid about when my kids leave my viewpoint, like, you know, with someone else, like, okay, like, if you're going to take them swimming, make sure you're watching them or Francesca, hold hands, never go in the street, never get on the side of the car of the street because of that accident. And, and you know, I know where I was. I know how I felt when I found out the news. Wow. I don't want to like relive that. Feel that again. Yeah. And, and it would be, you know, when someone says it can't get worse than that, well, yeah, if it was your daughter, you know, oh, or son, yeah, you know, so I think about that stuff probably more than the average person. Because I'm just waiting for that phone call again. Andy, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm mentally okay. I'm, I'm healthy. And, you know, I'm happy and I'm grateful for what I have. I think that the healthy, like, the, you're going to feel that, right? You're going to have those feelings. Yeah, you just relive those. Yeah. You can't, you can't control how you feel, but it, doesn't, it seems as though as you talk through it, you're not allowing those feelings to, to paralyze you, right? Exactly. You're kind of allowing that to happen. You're going to experience this, but you're... You're, you're, and I think that's probably the therapy coming through, like being able to work through those feelings, which is good. I mean, I think that's important to yeah. to realize is that we're going to lose people, things are going to happen, but we can work through it. You know, we can sure. get to the other side. 
Well, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah, no, absolutely. What's a goal you're working toward right now? When I first became a financial advisor, my goal was to get to the point where I could open my own store, my own office. In so many years, like you become profitable. So my next goal is to become profitable. I know that's going to be a longer term goal, just the way the system is set up. You know, unless someone wins a lotto and deposits 500 million with me. <laughs> okay. You know, just a shout out to anyone listening. That's kind of my goal is to build my business to a point where what's profitable. Is there anything on your life goals or bucket list that, that you wanted to do or accomplish or visit or something like that? In 2011, I, I went to Italy and I toured it. It was amazing. And I would love to tour certain parts of it again, specifically Sorrento and Capri, that whole area. That just really stuck out to me. I would love to visit Spain on that same trip, kind of hit it, hit it all up. And I want to go to Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii and I need to go there. And New York. So I got I to gotta get some frequent flyer miles because got a lot of places to go. Thinking about yourself, 18 years old, being goal-oriented, what do you think you would think of yourself now? I think the 18-year-old self would be proud that I'm confident, that I'm able, I'm strong, and that I'm a genuinely good person that wants to do good for people. I'll give you a quick lesson, or I guess lesson to me. I was in sixth grade and I guess I was in a gym class where, you know, we're with a few people that like to pick on other kids. And I guess at that moment, I was more of a follower. And they said, hey, say this to this person. So I did. And the kids started crying. And I inside was crying. I, I felt like the biggest piece of garbage that mm. whole day. And I, I spoke to this person and I still remember his name. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm truly sorry that I did that to you. Like, I, I didn't mean it. And, you know, I, I'm very sorry. And I'm sorry to have hurt you. And from that young moment on, you know, it's sixth grade gym class at Jackson. I don't want to be in a position where I hurt someone. So that's the type of character I am. I don't have time for that. But I learned that lesson of how it felt. Mm early on. And I remember the first time I had to fire someone and I was probably 24. You know, they did something. I mean, it was warranted, but that was hard for me because I, I hurt them. You know, <laughs> I, I realized quickly, Hey, it's part of the job. And in my later years of management, I had to do it often. And, but that was hard for me. So it's, it's an, it's not a natural place for me to be in a position where I'm causing harm to someone's feelings. And I try to live like that every day where, hey, if I'm enhancing your life, great. I don't want to be in the position where I'm not enhancing it or I'm taking away from you and your character. And I'm sure all of us have been, you know, anyone, even the most popular kid in high school has been victim of someone just destroying your soul a bit and it doesn't feel right. I try to instill that in my, my daughters and, and my stepchildren. I want them to defend themselves in a position if they're receiving it, but I don't want them to give it. And that's really important to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there an opinion that you previously held strongly that you've changed your mind on? Oh, that's a good question. I guess I would say no, just because I'm good at absorbing sides and understanding both sides and then coming up with my own truth. Are you saying that the way you think about things is has always been not necessarily black and white, but you've been kind of like 
open to to multiple perspectives and so open to my, i'm a very open perspective so there's less person. to change your mind about because you're kind of more fluid in, yes. in the way you approach things yeah and i'm definitely not a bandwagon jumper you know back to that story in sixth grade i jumped on the bandwagon i made fun of a kid because someone told me to and you know i'm not saying that's the only example but i still remember that and that's why i don't jump on bandwagons because i know that wasn't me being my authentic self and i i try to always present we all have who we are and then ho- how we present ourselves and i always try to present my authentic self as much as i can to my ability i mean at least i think i do <laughs> so that's great i was curious and i don't i mean i don't mean to go back to the loss of your wife but i i was wondering about just like the communities you talked about therapy and with your with your daughters just like the community support of your family support through all of that. It was amazing. People had a, a meal train. Some people I never even met before, you know, bringing me meals and, and helping. Luckily, living five minutes from my parents and my sister was truly helpful. I have a good relationship with my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law. So, you know, the combination of everyone really helped. But one thing I had to get over with is I didn't want people's help. I wanted to do it myself. So I actually hired a close friend of my wife's to nanny my children. And I paid for that service because I wanted them to help. I wanted them to be part of my children's life, but I didn't want one person like bailing me out of this, Mm. if that makes sense. Do you think that was more about trying to return to like a normalcy of like something sustainable as opposed to, you know, who's on schedule for now and, you know, meal trains coming in like, okay, that we just have to go back to normal at some point. It wasn't about normalcy. It's more like I'm so damn like determined to do things myself. Like I didn't want to like say one of the biggest things that was uncovered in my therapy is I like to do things for people and help people, but I don't like to say, I don't like to receive. So I just felt I was going to be in a weird position if I have all these people helping me even though they're my family, I, I didn't know how to receive that. So I'm just like, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for talking a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty much an open book. So that's why yeah, I like, no. I'm like, I'll do this. I'll tell you what my life is. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely appreciate you coming on and hanging out. Yeah, no, this is cool that you guys are doing this. Yeah, this has been great. Good to see you both. <laughs>